0: Hello, hello, this is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review. Glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, a network executive, very well known in our business, Miss Amy Savitsky. Amy is the SVP of development and programming at A&E Networks based in New York. She is the executive producer of Leah Remini's hit show and Emmy winner about Scientology and the series, The Murder of Lacey Peterson, which was a series we actually talk about because I watched it and was obsessed with it. Um, Before Amy joined A&E in 2015, she spent more than a decade at Discovery. We talk a lot about those years Um, especially how a little hit show called Here Comes Honey Boo Boo came to be. Remember that? Great story. Amy's super open, very honest. She's someone I know I can always get a straight answer from, which, of course, I love. All right, Amy Savitsky. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very excited. I'm in your room at the Fairmont in Santa Monica with a gorgeous view of the ocean. I could so get used to it. Right? So nice. Forget about it. So I always start with saying how I know my guest. So you and how I, we meet? I know, I think we met, were you at Planet Green I, oh, for <laughs> five seconds? <laughs> I think that we met at Planet Green for five seconds Wow! before you went to TLC. Like I distinctly remember having a meeting with you at TLC, but then I, at the meeting at TLC, I was like, I think I met her at Planet Green. That's
1: probably true. Crazy. So that must've been like 10 years ago? A long time ago. A long time yeah, ago. I dabbled in many networks at, over at Discovery. So that was one of them.
0: And then how, so I don't. Like you and I have known each other a long time. You're one of these people I've known a long time, but then I really dig into it. I'm like, I don't really even know where Amy's from or like, you know, I know, I know sort of the Facebook, you know, version of Amy, but I'm not I, on Facebook anymore.
1: I noticed that you're Got not. rid of it. I got deleted it in January. How do you feel? So much better. Really? <laughs> yes. Is it liberating? I don't miss it at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I should do it. I yeah. do it for a few days. It's like a like a meth addict. Like I, I stop for like a week and then I'm back on. Like I need a shit.
1: Well, that was part of it. I was just testing myself. Like, could I stay away? And it's been totally fine. I haven't been able to give up Instagram though. I kind of like the simplicity of the single image format. And I, I like it. So I, yeah, I haven't Instagram. I'm such a news junkie that I feel
0: like the only reason I'm even on social media is for news. So I don't get Instagram. I'm like I don't care about yeah, pictures.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear <laughs> they, you. It is
0: beautiful aesthetically, but I just I don't care about people's pictures. So, so so moving on. Okay, so where did so
1: you started your where you were a navy brat? Let's I was start a navy there. brat. Um, my mom was in the navy. Oh, interesting. And we moved all around. Her last gig in the Navy was in um, Bethesda at the National Naval Medical Center. So I was in high school in Virginia. That's where I graduated. Went to UVA. Um, great school. It was great. It was. It's so funny. It's a great school. It would never be, as an adult, knowing myself now, would never be the place I choose. It's so... Southern uh, fraternity, sorority, let's go to the Foxfield horse races, you know, that's so not who I am. And, but it was a, it was a great school and a great education. Um, but I got the acting bug. And so I thought that I wanted to be a stage actress and I, I also knew that I didn't want to be a starving artist. So when I was at UVA, I got an undergraduate degree in business, specifically management information systems. And my first job out of college was as a database sales consultant for Oracle. What I know, (laughs) which was going to be, which is oh, so fun, not um, talking about the intricacies of a database solution for a big business. And so my um, location city was New York. And so I was going to, be a database consultant by day and audition <laughs> by night. <laughs> and after a few months of that, I was like, this is for the birds. So I quit my job and moved out to LA. And Wait, what were you thinking when you moved out to LA? You're going to be an actor. You're going to yeah, make it go. Yeah, I thought I'm going to, the first thing I did was, but same thing, I was never, ever going to be the starving artist. So I was always going to have like income right, coming backup. in. So I got into an acting class right away, but then I started just pounding the pavement, applying for different internships. Cause I knew I had zero experience doing anything related to film or anything. And so um, I met with this woman who had an internship. She's like, You're you're not right for me, but I'm gonna send you over to my friend who's looking for somebody. Um, and her friend happened to be Andrea McCall, who was running the story department over at DreamWorks. And so I went to go interview with her. And ironically, she hired me because of my Oracle database experience, because they were getting ready to build and launch a database that tracked all of the incoming script submissions and coverage from the readers. And they wanted to have it all captured online. And so she hired me for that reason. And then I ended up never touching a database again in my <laughs> life. I started copying scripts and eventually like plugging in more to the actual business of film. And I realized I like being—I liked that side of it way more than I would ever have liked being in front of the camera. And that kind of started everything. So wow. It's a dream where so what year give me a year of content. Nineteen ninety eight. Okay. It was amazing. It yeah. was like new, fresh studio that was supposed to be artist welcome. It felt very uh you know, it was it's It was at the Amblin, you know, Amblin on yeah, the back of Universal. Yeah, my friend worked there in 98 for Adam, somebody who Adam went on to become Goodman? the head. Of, yeah, Adam
0: Goodman. Which she was friend? His, yeah, Al Lutfox. She was oh, his assistant. Okay,
1: because one of my best friends was his assistant, Melissa Wilcox now. I think he went through a lot of them. He probably <laughs> did. But yeah, it was, you know, Adam was there Adam and Goodman. Jason Hoffs and Glenn Williamson was my boss. Mark Hames was also one of my bosses who's now writing. Glenn went on to focus features. Like it's, it was just such a... Exciting time. Magical time. Wow. Yeah, it was magical. So did you think you wanted to go into film then? I did. Cause I've always, uh, I remember when I was living out here, I would spend my weekends going to the Sunset Five, watching just all day long, like watching any movie that was out. And I just have always been enthralled with that kind of magic. And even now I I know it's very important to uh, understand production and how shows get made, but I prefer to watch as, as a a viewer. Like I don't like to know how the sausage gets made because it's much more magical to just watch a story unfold. So yeah, like that's, that was my, I thought I wanted to do film and scripted and I still wouldn't be opposed to that, but my life just led me to discovery. Yeah. How did
0: that happen? So you, so you're in LA, you're at DreamWorks, you're in love with film and then what happens?
1: The truth is I was in love with film. I was also in love with a man, ah. bad breakup. So Ugh. me being dramatic, uh, decided to quit my job and move to Hawaii for a beat to like get as far away from him as I possibly could. Well, good place though. Um, no, it was. And um, in the process, reconnected with somebody from college who had been a friend and who had been in my undergraduate business program with me. And he convinced me while I was you know, sobbing, in Hawaii, to move to Las Vegas, where he was (laughs) to work at this internet startup company. And so that was right when it all started, right when it was all going on. So it was like hopeful and could have been a big (laughs) deal. And it was some it was tangentially tied to video and entertainment. So I'm like, Okay, I'm so sad here in Hawaii, like crying all the time, which is pathetic. So I'm gonna move to Vegas and like throw myself into something else. So I did. And he is now my husband. He um, ended up romancing me in Las Vegas. Wait, and, you knew him in college? Uh-huh, I was kind of obsessed with him in college and he didn't want anything to do with me. He told me I was way too intense. And then he decided he was good with the intensity because that hasn't really changed since <laughs> <Right>. college. <laughs> but um, so he wooed me out to Las Vegas and then wooed me romantically. And did um, he have an agenda, like knowing that yes, he want, but he you did. didn't know. I do just not know. know.
0: You were in your heartbreak and that's right. rebounding. And... That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, so you guys met, you've been together a long time. Very long time. And am I making this up? Is he Cuban? Or... He's Cuban. Okay.
1: I remember that. So that's wild. Okay. So then and he was like a soothing balm on my soul. Like he is Aww. the happiest. If you ever meet him, he is such a happy, even keeled, just fun person. And when I, when, you know, when you're in that place of like despair, yeah, being around someone like that is just so much fun and just pulls you right out of that. So, Aww, he and he's, saved he's you. done that my whole life. Like if ever I'm too in my head or wh- whatever, like he's like, you know what? Let's go see a live comedy show. Let's go, you know, he's just that person. So wow, I love that.
0: Okay. So then how did you guys end up back on the East coast?
1: How do we end up back on the East coast? Um That internet company went bust. How long were you in Vegas and how was it living in Vegas? Uh, Did not love Vegas, not my kind of place. (laughs) And I was, I am, um, I am like the Mike Rowe of, for women, I have had so many random jobs. (laughs) And so when I was in Vegas, I didn't even stay at the internet. I didn't even stay at that company the whole time. I went to go work for a gambling law firm. And then I worked in an exotic vet. And then I moved to Texas for six months. And I mean, I was all over the place. So um, that company went belly up. And we both decided to move back East because our families were there. So we packed up our dogs and drove cross country and uh, ended up in DC and through like a sequence of events that were just serendipitous, I ended up at a um, temp job at Discovery in the media planning group. Um, And... Then I was at Discovery for fifteen years. Like that was my entrance into that world. I didn't know anything about unscripted. I didn't know anything about those brand any of those brands at the time. And Whoop. then I was there. So Wow. Okay. So then what was your first unscripted job? Uh, The the rule at Discovery at the time was when you got into a job, a full-time job, I was made full-time, you had to stay in that job for a full year. They didn't want you job hopping around. So they were constantly filling uh, new positions. Mm -hmm. So I toughed out that job, which was not particularly (laughs) creative or stimulating, but it let me get to know the company a little bit and get to keep my eye on the internal job postings. And the first one that came up after my year ticked by was a development coordinator for Discovery Health Channel. Rita Mullen was the hiring manager. Oh my God. So, Rita, who has remained uh, kind of a friend and a mentor all of these years and is still to this day one of the best executives She's I've amazing. ever had the pleasure to I work miss her. for, um, she hired me into that development coordinator job. And at the time, Eileen O'Neill was the vice president of scheduling or programming. Yeah. And this was Discovery Fit and Health. Just Discovery Health. This Health, way back in the okay, day. Like back. this was yeah, this was way this was probably around 2002, 2003. Okay. So, so you worked for Rita? I worked for Rita. And then she kind of taught you the ropes? She taught me the ropes. And she then she taught me the ropes. And she um yeah, she was just an, an impeccable executive and also somebody who really um Nurtured me and my ideas. the The one that comes to mind, and I would just watch how she operated. She was so good at taking the germ of something and turning it into an actual show. And I remember one time bouncing into her office. I don't even remember how long I had been on the job, but I said, "Oh my God, Rita!" I was just on my way to work, and I was listening to Kane on the radio, my morning show, and he was doing this call in. He he had heard this story about a woman who ended up getting to the hospital and didn't know she was pregnant and ended up giving birth like at the hospital and was totally shocked that she had been like pregnant this whole time. And so he, he put a call out to his listeners and, um, said, Hey, if any of you ever had the situation where you didn't know you were pregnant until you were going into labor, call me. The phone's ringing off the hook. I said, I swear to God, there's a show here. She goes, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, why don't we go to, out to a producer and have him do some research to see if that, if there's enough stories out there, because that just seems ridiculous. How does somebody not know they're pregnant? So we went out to Mike Mathis and he's like, Oh yeah, there's more than enough stories here. And they're not all like you would expect, like these people don't look like they're pregnant. Okay, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> I am obsessed. I mean,
0: was obsessed with this show. So this show ended up turning into I didn't know because I was it's pregnant. beyond belief. It's, it's and especially both belief. of us have been pregnant, and
1: so I don't can't from even from fathom like the
0: second it happens. I'm like I'm pregnant. That's right. I mean, within beyond a,
1: belief. With a, so so this show. This show premiered. We did a one-hour special that premiered during ba- one of the baby weeks, which used to be a, like a big week. But right. we actually test baby ran story. a lot of things. We test ran what we test ran the show, I think it was called Sex Sex Tuplets and Twins, which became John and Kate Plus yeah, yeah. we, we test ran like 14 Children and Pregnant Again, which became the became the Duggars eventually. Oh my God. And this one. And ultimately it became a series. That's how many stories there were. Like that's that's how many stories. And of then people- how did you find the stories? Mike Mathis did a cast. I mean, he just right. did a casting right. outreach, and, and and you know, again, it was like we said to him, we don't want this to all be expected, like where you have like a super obese woman, and so right, you can imagine. Right, so right, he right. found like such yeah. a crazy variety of stories, like little tiny women who were never oh never showed anything. I mean, it was. Crazy. And the reenactments were incredible. <laughs> a lot of, we used to do like a lot
0: of toilet births,
1: like a lot of people oh giving God. birth because they thought they were had to go to the bathroom and they would He's, have a
0: baby. It was I, nuts. I, it's the most, and the other thing is, not to get too deep in the weeds on this,
1: but okay, do you remember how much your babies kicked? Yes, I, I fully, this is why the <laughs> like show is, this is why it's so crazy. I, I really <laughs> have a hard time believing. This is basically though what reality TV uh, has always been for me. Like it is always stranger than fiction. Like you can't, some of the stuff that you see, you cannot believe <laughs> is real life, that this is what people are experiencing. Right. And it is. And that was a classic example. Yeah. And c- you kind of created it without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's well, with and, so cool. and again, like I, if I didn't have a boss like Rita, like yeah. I, you know, somebody, I was like a super, super junior person. And I didn't really even know, I wouldn't have known at that point how to even make that come to life. And she was like, well, I'm going to show you this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So,
0: so did that catapult you to the next level once that became a show and was like, Oh, this development coordinator came up with a hit show on the network.
1: No, no. I'm trying to remember. It was, um, I don't, I'm like, I, it's so weird how my memory gets hazy the older I get, but I was at discovery health for many, many years. It was like,
0: so did you, well, you were there for the John and Kate, but then that eventually became a TLC show.
1: It did. I think, Were you involved all in that? Um, Only as Rita's person. Like that was really, that was development we did with Bill Hayes um, from figure eight where we were, which at the time was called advanced medical. He wasn't even figure eight at the time. And we had actually, I'm trying to remember how that came to be. He'd probably know the origin story more than I would, but we, we did um, a number of casting at the time for people with twins and multiples because that was an endlessly fascinating topic for the discovery health audience. And he found this particular yeah. family. I know
0: Eric Schiff. Do you know him? Do you remember I did him? back in the day. Yeah, so he was at Banyan. I remember he either knew Kate or somehow he I'm was sure. involved. Yeah. I'm sure. And then you ended up bringing the show back to TLC late when you were there later. Eileen right? did. Right. But did so, you oversee it? Nope. Okay, I don't know. I made that up in my head.
1: No, my, so So here's what happened. It, eventually, um, I'll skip through a couple things, but Eileen <laughs> moved on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. She went over to run. TLC yep. from health because she'd been running health and in a very, and was really good at running health. Yeah. Like she, I, I think, um, we started having just a tremendous amount of rating success for such a small network during her time because she had such a good eye for cultural pop culture things. Mm-hmm. And that's when I remember one of the specials for the first time, I think that pulled over a million viewers was like the half ton man. It was like a, one of the morbid, super, super morbid obesity specials <laughs> that we did and so, plus the Duggars, which came from an article that Eileen ripped out of a magazine. Like she just had an eye for this stuff. So mm-hmm. she went over to TLC and took Rita with her and left me. <laughs> I was, there was nobody. It was me and Alan, basically, and oh a, a small, tiny, tight team at Discovery Health. And I was kind of bumming for a while. I was like, oh, these two women that I right. so love and admire went on to the big leagues and started turning that network around. And it ended up being the biggest blessing because- that's where I really grew into becoming my own exec, my own person mm-hmm. and having learning how to manage a budget and make decisions about what we were greenlighting, working very closely with Alon at the time who was running all the production for health. And we only had like, we had a tiny budget at the time, like $18 million or something. It was tiny, but our budgets were tiny. And at that time, Carol Tomko was our GM and she was just amazing. She really empowered us to do our jobs and just said, just tell me, if there's anything I need that I'm that, that we could potentially get in trouble for that I'm going to need to know. So when we did a pilot called Strange Sex, we told her um, because that was potentially touchy. Uh, we decided at that point. unintended, intended. <laughs> exactly. To launch Psych Week, which is all about mental health. And that's where we piloted um, My Strange Addiction. And mm. then quickly after that came... Hoarders or Hoarding Buried Alive that aired in another stunt week for us. So there were a lot of things that happened during that period of discovery health when it was sort of, no one was paying attention to it. Right. That, that some really great things happened that ultimately went on to become series. They Huge. poured it over to TLC because Eileen, right. you know, smartly. So she had been at health and had seen the show she had worked on there that could go over to TLC. She started pulling some of these other things over. So My Strange Addiction went over, Hoarding Buried Alive went over, um, she took, I didn't know I was pregnant over John. I mean, there was a lot of things that went over. And so it was just a really fun. You were like the incubator. You were the TLC we were incubator. The incubator. Yeah, that's right. So then eventually she did bring you over to TLC. How did that work? Not right away. I, um, right. no, nope. I, uh. Planet green in between. <laughs> planet green and then own. Um, oh, somehow, I had no idea you were at own. Yeah. Um, planet green. Again, I'm trying to remember how this all went down we had decided that was going to become own, right? Planet Green wasn't a super successful or health was becoming on one or the the other. And so I was um, helping with the transition of that. And in that mix was Debbie Myers. I don't remember how or why, but that's where I got to meet Debbie. And um, once she was out of that mix, she was going to run Science Channel over with Clark, who was kind of overseeing science and discovery. And she said to me, hey, I'm going to go run Science Channel. We have two open spots. One is a executive position at Discovery and one is at Science Channel. Are you interested in one of those? And I said, I love you so much, but I think I would like to take the one at Discovery if if they wanna have me. And then I ended up going over to Discovery, which is where I met Dolores, who totally rocked my world and like changed the way I thought about development. So I was at Discovery before I went to TLC. Oh
0: my God, I had (laughs) no idea.
1: Yeah, and that was right when I started was when Matt Kelly had just brought in Gold Rush And then um, there quickly followed some just amazing success at that network, which was Moonshiners and Bering Sea Gold and Alaska, The Last Frontier. And like just a kind of a rebirth of that network, I would say, under Dolores's uh, brilliance, frankly. And um, somewhere along there, 15 months down the road, Zaz decided to put Eileen over Discovery and TLC. And so when he did that, Amy Winter became the general manager of TLC. And one day I was in a coffee shop in the lot, like down in the lobby of discovery. And she approached me, she goes, I want to talk to you about TLC. I've had my eye on you. And so Amy Winter is the one that brought me over finally to, to TLC. And Rita was gone by then. Rita had moved on to own, own, she was somewhere else, but so they needed someone to come in and so you didn't even know Amy. I didn't know Amy, but I loved her. Yeah, she's great. And she's at Up now? She's at Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in Atlanta. Atlanta. when the time She was running TLC. She was
0: oh, back and forth, right, every week with That's her three
1: little kids going back and I forth. I don't know so how people do it. That's Here's incredible. what's so great about Amy. She really got into the shows. She wasn't just like, oh, I'm sitting up here above it all, yeah. like managing a brand. She geeked out on our content, geeked out on it, loved it, and And my time at TLC was marked very quickly by some fun success too, because Amy was, I think of her as a baller. Like she took big swings and she took some big risks and we had some big successes and we had some big failures. But we, the first thing she greenlit for me, with me was my 600 pound life, which Jonathan had been trying to sell for a long time. Jonathan. Nazwarden.
0: Okay. I don't know who that is.
1: Um, his, he is the, the, for Media, he's the producer of that show. Oh, his okay. dad is the bariatric surgeon that is the star oh, of that. Really? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. And so he had been trying to sell it. So we bought that and then very quickly on the heels of that, we bought Breaking Amish. And then very quickly after that came Honey Boo Boo, which was a fight. That was a battle. Oh, I want to, okay. Stop right there. Let's hear it. You know, that was pretty controversial within TLC at the time, as you can imagine, um, you know, what Howard and I kind of saw in it was this great character who was unexpected in this world of beauty Queens. She was sort of the chubby um, from the wrong side of the tracks girl with her chubby from the wrong side of the tracks family. And you just inherently rooted for them. And she also was funny. They were funny. So I remember sitting in a staff meeting and this is when we, we were only just doing toddlers and tiaras. Honey Boo Boo had not been ordered, but she had been featured in an episode and he was telling me, you have to see this girl. And, that the clip he was showing me ended up being the first one that went viral with her where she was like whatever she said honey boo-boo child like like she was a 60 year old woman (laughs) and Howard's showing me this clip no sound is playing and we're dying with laughter in the middle of this this staff meeting he's like yeah we're gonna do another episode with with her and we're gonna meet the family in this next episode and when we saw that he and I were like this is a show and um you know I think Amy Winter was game, but there was pushback from other people. And so Eileen was like, okay, guys, I'm going to let you do this. Well, I'll give you four half hours. And the you... pushback, sorry, the pushback was that they what? They, they were... had never done a spinoff of Toddlers and yeah. that, that was worrisome. They didn't want to like cannibalize on their original, right. that that original series. And um, I don't know, they just, it just wasn't, it wasn't something that people were leaning into. So she said, I'll give you four half hours if you can do it on this budget, which is like nothing, and you can have it by this air date. And we're like, game on. So we started producing the show. And um, I, I do think Howard is one of the most brilliant production executives that I've ever worked with He on multiple shows. But that one in particular, he and Sarah Reddy, who's the showrunner, really kind of broke form. With that, they did these really long interviews with no break. You know, they did (laughs) not edit around the dirty stuff. They let it all hang out, which felt really real and human and just funny. So, um, And you knew when you're seeing these cuts come back, you're thinking this is going to be a hit. People are going to love this. You know, there's some shows, (laughs) of course, no one can know anything at any time, but there's some shows that you really do feel like you know more than others. And I will say for me, me and Howard, at least, and probably for Amy Winter, too, we... New, like I, we that it was so different and funny and engaging. So, not all shows are like that, but that was one that we felt we still were waiting with bated breath and biting our fingernails the next morning when the ratings came in. But right, like you do. We reached over the how did I reached over the table and high fived each other. It was uh, fun
0: and it was a great run. And then it ran into some issues. Issues and well, it was over before like, we even
1: got on the air. Though we had a big yeah. debate about the title because it ended up being called Here Come Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. Right. So, what was the debate? do we really use that? T- I mean, it was just a whole, there was a whole <laughs> list of titles and that was the most literal. Right. It was using her nickname. <laughs> right. Had gone, and we finally convinced everyone. Yeah. Then it ran into some trouble as many reality shows have. And I think at the time TLC made the right decision and not, um, continuing to air it. I think there's episodes that are still sitting on the shelf and that was unfortunate. um, But luckily, you know, TLC at the time had a lot of other shows that were working for them. So it wasn't devastating, Um, but unfortunate. And then how? (laughs) Yeah, no. And now June has seen another life on we with from not to hot. (laughs) hot. Mm -hmm. Is is June still hot? I don't know. I don't I don't know if she's still hot or not. (laughs) Do you keep in touch? Don't keep in touch with June. No,
0: no. (laughs) So then how long after that did you? Did, like what started to happen at TLC that you felt like maybe after fifteen years, it's time for me to move
1: on? well, so so TLC, when I first went over there, um I was so excited. Amy Winter was the GM. Yeah, Howard was there. Mariana was there. And our team just clicked. It was one of those times of complete alchemy where everybody really liked each other. We still had our battles. um, but we really liked each other. We were all really excited about the content. And we did a lot of, we we did, took a lot of crazy risks. Some worked, some didn't. Um, but then as things do, they started to change. Like Mariana left and went to lifetime. Eventually, um, Amy Winter left and Nancy came in. And by that point, I would think I was going on my third year and I get an, I get a little itchy itchy every three years. That's just my cycle. And I don't know if it's from being a military brat where we moved every (laughs) three years, but I just start to want something different or new or, you know, different. So, um, I just, I knew my contract was coming up. I adored Howard with all my heart, who at that point had, was my boss. And um, I knew that Paul Buccieri had been hired relatively recently over at ATN. And I just uh, um, really liked him and, and admired him and had met him on some discovery trips. And so once that happened, I was like, oh, okay, now I know someone over there because I didn't know that whole Group of people very well,
0: um, and Paul Lucieri. He used to run ITV and then moved over to moved over. he's um, to ATN group
1: president. Runs you know Any Studios, launched Any yeah. Originals.
0: He's just he's got an incredible reputation. My very first podcast yes. was with Jenny Daly, and she mentioned him as her original mentor. And I've just ever since. I I don't think I've ever met him, but I've only heard.
1: There's a handful of people in this business <laughs> who people seem to only have good things to say. Yeah, he's one. Marjorie Kaplan's one. Dave Islandberg. I was is just one. gonna say Dave Islandberg. Like, like there's just a handful. Eli of people. Lair. Eli Eli Lair is yeah. another. I think one. we just named them. <laughs> I think we just named them. But like there's not a lot of. Yeah. I really Amy Smitzky. Oh, no. I think I've, I've had enough fights. <laughs> <laughs> enough fights with people. No. Nope, so, sorry. <laughs> no. Um. But he's one of them. Yeah, and So um, I had just reached out to him and said, "Look, my I'm, my contract's coming up. I." Would be very interested in talking about opportunities over at your company now. I don't know what there is because I'm not super plugged in. Um, I said to him, I probably wouldn't be right for History Channel because that's not really the content that gets me excited. But AE and Lifetime, in particular, AE, is a brand that I've always admired from afar and um, would have been the one brand I would choose to go to. And I said, but I don't, again, I don't know what the situation is. So he then hooked me up with Rob and Elaine and it just went from there.
0: So what was, what were your first meetings like with Rob and Elaine? Like, were you, were they courting you hard?
1: Were they courting me hard? I I don't think they were courting me hard. I think that because I think they knew they're both very well liked and respected and have done a lot of good things over at that company and on different brands. Right. And I think they knew. I was engaged and interested. So they didn't really have to court me hard. But also, they probably could have had their pick. They probably could have, (laughs) you know, a lot of people would have gone, I think would have liked to have worked for either of them. Um, But, you know, they were very uh forthcoming about the struggles that A'E was having at that moment in time. Right.
0: So just talk about that for a minute. So Duck Dynasty Heb was, you know, on a huge run and then it wasn't.
1: And then they kind of they had, had their own you right, know, thing, ha- own controversy happened, but also because Duck Dynasty was this out of the blue right. anomaly. Yeah. And it wasn't something, you know, is a brand that's very expansive and can do a lot of things. And when we're at our best, we're constantly doing different things instead of trying to do one thing. So when Duck happened, they spent a lot of time trying to chase Duck with other shows that were like Duck, but nothing was ever going to be Duck. So um, in the meantime, all the kind of core shows I think had been canceled. Like Intervention got canceled. They might have put First 48 on the back burner. These core shows that were like gritty A&E, they moved to the side. And so the network just started... Yeah. They tried like a Southeast show and a bunch some of like different, they female tried a lot. cowboy show. Yeah. Tried a lot of stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and again, no one's fault. You do, you, you right. go where the winds take you. But right. by the time I was, uh, that Elaine came back and Rob came back, the network was not in a good place. Um, and so that's part of what drew me to it. Not just the brand, but the challenge of there's only one way this network can go right now. Like all, and all we can do is take risks. And that was fun. And exciting so that didn't feel stressful or scary to you like no. if i can't bring it back from the brink then no it's more stressful now that there's a level of success and so now it's like right now it's top yourself like <laughs> right. now we're having this level of success back in the top 10 we've got this great show in live pd we've had emmy winners born this way leah remini 60 days in multiple seasons that's all amazing right oh, yeah. but it's kind of like the way any network is frankly Okay, what's next? Like, you know, how are we building on that success? Where's another show like Live PD that's bringing in, you know, a million plus impressions every week? So,
0: so Live PD, was that already in development when you started at A&E?
1: It was. It's funny when I, it was such a crazy time and really just, um, those were, th- you know, when you ask about shows that you kind of feel like, you know, yeah. from concept, those were were three, 60 days in was, uh, I think, casting. Okay. Casting close to being greenlit maybe right when I started. Live PD had been in development and continued to be in development for a few more months after that. It was a very long development. But step. what did development mean for that show since it you can't? It was access, it was figuring okay. out the technology, it was right. figuring out the budget and the technology. um, figuring out the studio piece versus the field piece, like just the way the whole show was going to work. So complex. Because we wanted it to be, you know, once it all delivered, we wanted to be, you can't, you kind of just, you could either, you could do a one night event, but we're like, we want this to be a series. Yeah. So that it was ready to go when Mm -hmm. it delivered. And then a few weeks, I don't remember exactly when it was, but like soon after I started, the Leah Remini project walked in the door with IPC. And and it was just kind of like, we just kind of all... Knew those three shows were had a strong chance of success and were going to be our our bets. So, so with the uh,
0: with that show, just real quick, was that? Um, did I heard different versions of how that show came to be? But Leah, that, yeah. So what was the did Leah? Like, how did she know Eli and Aaron? And I don't know how that got put.
1: Honestly, I don't know. I think yeah. that got put together. I heard A gave it to IPC. No, okay. no. no, no, no. I think okay. that. I think Leah. Um, actually had met with several different producers. Okay. I oh, was out, the like, bake who off. was the right, right. you Got know, it. production company. And I think her manager, Brian Spizer, who is amazing. Okay. Like he is, I really love those APA agents, but he has been such a good partner. Yeah. Um, I think he. Uh, introduced her to uh-huh. Aaron and Eli and they were just starting their company. They yeah. hadn't really, you know, they'd had a career. Yeah, when hadn't... I interviewed
0: them for the podcast, they said we have a top secret project with A&E. Is that what it was? And that was what it
1: was. And yeah. they wouldn't even tell me off mic on And that. so we bought it. No one knew what the show was, by yeah, the way. And right. I, we kept, Devin and I kept getting asked for months afterwards after we, what's the show? Like, right. what are we, what <laughs> is the actual show? Yeah. And to try to articulate it was challenging, but we kind of had to, we knew we had Leah, who was this, I kind of refer to her she's so smart and I refer to her in a in the most um respectful way as a blue collar brawler because she oh, is totally. you know she that's her, our audience really responds to her kind scrappiness. of her scrappiness yeah. and her passion Yeah. and um you know, the only thing that really had been done for Scientology was the HBO doc. Yeah, which was great. Which was great. Yeah, and one of me. their highest rate, but had done in pure kind of documentary one-off form.
0: Yeah, well, and- I mean, that was my second question, which is like, that's a scary thing to take on with that crazy church. Sorry, I mean, maybe they'll come after me now. But was that something that you guys, I mean, when there are tons of discussions, not just with legal, but just internally about like, do we really want to go there?
1: We have the best legal department in the business. And yeah. I have to tell you, the most exciting thing because discovery was amazing, by the way, I loved every minute there. But m- much more risk averse, and A and E was like handcuffs off. We're gonna put innocent people in jail. We're gonna do live cops. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. We're gonna take yeah. on the church not we, but right. we're gonna let lead kind of all the at the same time, all at the same time. Yeah, so I love it. it was like total balls out, and, put, I, and I and put every people with
0: Down syndrome on the air.
1: And that, which by the way, no one else would buy that show.
0: I love that. So Noah Pollock, shout out to Noah, did an amazing podcast with Drew Tappan and um, John Murray um, about the genesis of that show. I urge everyone to listen. It's such a great story and just such a triumph of and like- made with love. Made with they love. They made it with such love. And took him like uh, 10 years to make and just had network execs that had, you know hung in
1: there. So kudos to you guys. Kudos, not even, I, I don't, for me, I, that was already kind of off and running before I oh, even was started. It? Okay. And- that was all Shelly and Drew and yeah. like their, and, and, and um, Jonathan Murray, like they yeah. just had a belief and passion in that show. Yeah. And it's just been wonderful. Well,
0: what's cool is that all of those rests that you just mentioned, like you said, they all paid off in the sense that they got critical acclaim. They got Emmys and they got ratings, which is just, it's, it's it's a testament. I wish, you know, not to kiss your ass, but I wish there were more networks and network executives that would take more chances because, yeah, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to get that. But that one time you might, and it's, it's worth true. the risk, Because especially when there's so much shit that, there is, that they are greenlighting. I mean, we should talk well, probably about that. On that note, yeah. that,
1: that I have to give a lot of props to Elaine because yeah. she is pretty fearless. Elaine, so- Elaine Fontaine Bryant. Yes. And she will always run toward the scary idea. It's actually the ideas that are where you're not when you have any kind of like mm, the more middling idea. She's like, oh, we uh, that's just harder. But if it's a white hot idea that's like scary as hell and potentially big, she's like, how do we do that? Like, right. Well, Duck Dynasty.
0: I mean, that means largely largely credited to Elaine from taking sort of a kernel of this crazy Mm -hmm. family that you said was definitely not sort of on brand if there was a brand for for a and that show made, you know, it brought tons of new viewers to the network. It was a mega hit. Yeah. And that says everything. Yeah. So when you got there, so since, so how long have you been there now?
1: Almost three years.
0: Okay. Um, so what was the, like the first pitch that you took that you thought this could be like, this could be my show that makes a mark at the network. Was there something like that? For a Yeah. It was Leah. So Leah was, the, so you mm-hmm. were there for the pitch mm-hmm. and what was that pitch like with Leah?
1: I mean, I had met her before. Was there tape or was it just her in the room? No, just her in the room. We had done a show with her at at TLC. Oh my God, I watched that show. And I was not, I didn't, I wasn't a super big part of that show, but I was in the original pitch meeting with her and um, she is who she is and she's funny and she's ballsy. And so she just came in. She had, I'm trying to remember, that must've been 2015. She had gotten out of the church, written a book troublemaker and um, had decided that she wanted to go one step further and kind of expose the wrongdoings of the church in television form. And so she just came in with her kind of passion and her anger and her desire to do something. And how do you not buy that show? I mean, we were like, it's, you know, was there a bidding war? No, I don't even know if they shopped it. Oh, interesting. I really don't know if they well, shopped it. I could A&E, be wrong. Right. But A&E
0: I, does seem like I'm just trying to think of, I mean, I'm sure there were other, you know, Netflixes of the world, but, but A&E definitely seems like the most obvious home if, you're, if anyone's going to do it. I
1: also, I also, maybe now, but I don't know if anyone <laughs> would have taken the legal risk. Yeah. yeah. Right. Good point. Right? I don't know. Like yeah. obviously HBO had in the past, so yeah. maybe they would have done it again. Maybe Netflix. I don't know what their kind of internal legal conversations are, but um, I don't, I think there's many other ad supported cable networks that would take that legal risk. Speaking of legal risk, has there been a
0: show that you've taken uh, that you've taken a pitch for in the last few years that you really wanted to buy but the risk has just been too high? Or it's just too
1: Not really other than those 3 that we, wow. you know, did. I there hasn't been one, I'm just thinking. There hasn't been one recently. You know, we get a lot of undercover pitches. Right. Those are always challenging. Yeah. But I will say our legal team starts with a yes. Like they start with how can we make this work? Yeah. Versus we're never doing this. And it's, you know, it's, we're never doing it. So that has been very refreshing and different from most places. Yeah.
0: Got it. So you, did you buy the, um, the Scott Peterson show? I
1: saw that in your bio. Yes. One of my favorite shows I've ever Worked on. I mean, one of the one of the only shows, not only because there's a lot, there's been a lot of them, but we, those of us that worked on that, waited with bated breath for those cuts to come in. And by the way, it was a story we all knew. It wasn't like it was breaking news or anything particularly super super fresh. But the way Left Right crafted that story was riveting. So So, a few things.
0: First of all, Left Right um, Banks and Ken, they're phenomenal. They are um, producers, and they do incredible work. Second of all, um, you know, I'm a big true crime person and producer. So, um, and I know that story inside and out. So I thought, so I t- I taped the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Um, I have to say, I still think he probably did it, but damn, did you guys do an amazing job of casting doubt? I will say
1: that. And we weren't even, we weren't, we didn't set out to prove innocence. We, right. we set out to say Well, it was like, pretty, it was
0: pretty uh, I mean, I would say I was, by my two cents after seeing it is it leaned more, and I think I listened to an interview with the one of the producers on it. Um, I definitely think it leaned more towards probably Scott didn't do it. That, that was my big takeaway at the end. And not that you didn't do sort of more of a balanced job, but, you know, there was- I left conflicted
1: too. Yeah. After, so after watching what'd it. what'd
0: you think going in and what'd you think coming out?
1: You know, it's funny. All, there's all these big, crime cases like Casey Anthony and John Bene. Yeah, we just, I, did. I, we did both of them. I didn't follow any of them in right, real time when right. they were breaking. So I knew top line of the case. I didn't know yeah. all the nuance and intricacy. Right. I probably thought he did it. Yeah. If I'm thinking back, but um, I also, they were producing that when all the fake news and what's real and what's not real was kind of just blowing up in the press. And that is just a classic example of like spin. Yeah. You know, like something, a piece of misinformation takes hold and trial by media. It was trial by media. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: I mean trial by Nancy Grace. Honestly. I will say this, I don't think he necessarily got a fair trial. Right. It was so influenced yeah. by um, press and whatever, but you know, I, I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things that's infuriating actually that <laughs> right. I don't know. I know feel the same way. Keith Anthony's like that too.
0: Yeah. You know, you think
1: everyone has their opinion of what uh, it was, yeah. but you're
0: like we just did that second season of the show for oxygen and um and I, you know, it forced me down the rabbit hole of Reddits and everything for, you know, days and weeks and and I have to say I still, I still feel like, I, I, God damn, I want to know what happened. I know. Um, but back to that pitch, because, you know, it's so great, because I don't get to talk to network executives that much compared to producers. So I love hearing sort of the other side of it. When you, what was the pitch from left, right? Was it you think you know what happened, but you no, don't?
1: This was an, I'm sure everyone remembers the origin of this differently. This is how I remember it. Okay. We <laughs> were talking about, there was a show, John Bonet, that we tried hardcore to buy for A and E. And it went to CBS. Yes. And um <clears> throat> just, throat> just financially it wasn't didn't make sense for us. the deal and the finances did not make sense for us as a network. but we were th- those of us in programming were really upset that we didn't Yeah, I know. And then you counter program like, like, with your like, John Ramsey Like show. that's gonna that's gonna work. If it's done right, it's gonna work. It's yeah. like a big case and yeah. the pitch was super compelling. And so we didn't get to pitch. Do you that remember pitch. that pitch on I video sure conference? Do. Me too. And I Jim sure was like flailing about, getting so passionate. Was it like, was riv- it was a yeah, riveting pitch, yeah, riveting. right? So we kind of regrouped internally and said to ourselves, we're not letting that happen again. Like, what's the next big case? What's the next thing that has either an anniversary or um that we know is like a big cultural case? Right. And that we might want to take another look at. Yeah. So um I said it's Scott Peter. it's the Scott Peterson case. I can't remember who Steve Asher, who now runs A and E originals, our internal okay. group. I said, Can you go do a little bit of research ah. on this case? This is when he was just getting started. And um, tell me if there's anything new. Is there any new angle? Is there anything that hasn't been explored? And he did this really thorough research, got into the books, got into um all these different alternate theories of what was going on. And then he said, No, by the way, there's this film. That's going to this small film festival in Palm Springs. It's called what was it called? I don't know. Trial by Fury. Okay. And it was about um, the Peterson case? Yep. Really? And so uh he I said, Go f- get a hold of that filmmaker. Let's find out what that is. And so um he did, and it was a woman named Shereen Anderson who had been making this film for the film festival. She was linked up with Poe Cutchins at the time, who was a producer producer showrunner. And we sat down and met with them and they kind of walked us through the film they had made, which was, had been like a basic framework, basic framework of like media influence on, on, um, that case. And so I'm like, this is really compelling. And they started laying out just in the course of making that film, some of the new things that just had come to light. And I said to them, well, that's amazing, but we don't know either of you you two. So we'd love for you to partner with somebody and come and then come back to us. Mm. And so Poe had said, "Um, I've worked with left, right before. What do you guys think of them? We're like, Uh, we we love love them. them." So they went and made their deal. We then gave left, right development money to dig into like, what would our show be? We're not going to just do what that film did. Like we have to make a show and is it episodes and how are we laying out the episodes? So they did a really robust development step for us. That was very well researched and thought about like how they were going to lay out the episodes. And when it came in, it i mean it was it was not an easy green light because it was i think they were pitching 6 episodes okay and it could have been a two hour. Yeah, like You could have done right, it in two hours, right. right? But we were able to convince everyone that there was enough to this story to make it a yeah. multi-parter. Well, I think that's interesting because I think that, you know, I will
0: credit Netflix also yeah, for too. paving the way for that, you know, deep dive, peeling the onion back and and people sticking around for it. However, that said, I think that sometimes it goes too long I don't or think too we'd do far. that now. Yeah. I think we'd green light two hours. You're, okay, so for, now for you found that shows. your viewers don't stay tuned for the long haul.
1: Um, they do sometimes and sometimes they <laughs> Depends don't. Depends on what it right? is. Right? So I think- um, Could you, you guys can, have done Wild Wild Country? I think that that's very- Well, we've talked about it a lot. Ugh. No. I did think you did you watch it? I've watched some of it. God, it's, it's even so a little- the, I, I Even as someone who works in television, the pacing's a little- I struggle. <laughs> I know. So, but it really um, picks up by episode three. <laughs> by episode three. But like most viewers- Right, don't they have, stay, Right. They no, don't it's have three true. episodes it's to true. get them in. So it's very well done. It's, I think, doing quite well for them. Yeah. I don't, we, I don't think we would have ever done it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Um, So, so is there anything that you look at on the landscape and say, God, I wish we had done that like in the last year or two?
1: Not much. We ask ourselves all the time, by the way. Right, right. we, We look around.
0: Like we passed on that. We never should have kind of thing.
1: I'm thinking if there's anything that comes to mind. No, nothing that's new.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything in the coffers that you're super excited about?
1: We have a, I mean, there are a few things bubbling which i'm not going i'm not going to talk about them in depth but um yeah there's a few things i i um what i would like i think we would all like is to find something that's as white hot as the leah project was i don't know that that is there yeah but um we've been really turning our attention toward finding some formats that yeah. are entertain, really entertainment forward that have a little bit more fun. To like them. the storage wars. Yeah. Kind of. And we used to have a, we used to have a, a network that could exist with intervention in first 48, yeah. but then also with airline and storage. Wars. Right. And oh, so, airline. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. Bring it back. Bring it we back. Might.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, that means you are.
1: We might. And we might bring back some of the paranormal stuff too, which we have kind of abandoned for the last, you know, yeah. couple I mean, of years. I mean, I know they do well, not my thing, but I know they do well. Oh, I can get down yeah. with a good Can you? Good do you love a good show? paranormal? Yeah, if it's good. I mean, it, right. you know, it's like, what are we going to... But the question is, what can you do there that's different? Right. Like, how do you kind of throw I a know. bomb into the genre and like do something I don't different? know. The answer is I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't... Well, we'll we're, we're trying to figure it out. If anyone will
0: figure it out, it's you guys. So, and, you know, I just want to talk generally for a minute about um, kind of the state of the industry. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we're actually in, real, in the middle of Real Screen West right now, um, and... You know, the the general lament from producers is that it's tough out there, hard out there. Um, Obviously, you're on the buying side, so it's less hard um, from a sort of hustle point of view. But what's your view or, you know, sort of 30,000 foot view of where things are right now and where you think it's going to go?
1: The flip perspective of that. I think for for producers, there's a couple things. I think producers have more options than ever in terms of where they can sell a show. Right. So, in some respects, it should be easier. Yeah, good point. But I think the problem that producers are having is the development process that exists at, right. at more traditional cable right. networks, Absolutely. right? So that's a huge right? limit. You know, I've had a
0: presentation for two years, this still hasn't been greenlit, or been I had a, a f- bunch of my own money. Exactly, The pilot's they been sitting that. there and they have not make a decision. And right. yeah, I mean, that's a big frustration. And is that, from your perspective, networks just scared of, of, of
1: not hitting it? I don't know about that. I mean, I I can't speak for other networks. When we're doing development, Live PD is a classic example. Yeah. We believe in the idea already. We're trying to get it baked and buttoned up so that we can go to series. Yeah. right? And I, I'm not privy to the way Netflix operates, but from what I've heard, um, they can buy straight to series because producers come in with something Fully baked, <laughs> right? They've right? been working on it for 10 years. Fully baked, <laughs> yeah. right? They've worked on it a long time. They have a whole show Bible. Most producers don't come in with fully baked stuff to my network. That's just the truth. Like, so they like, here's a Skype tape or here's a little kernel. I'm like, well, there's something there, but we're gonna have to spend a minute to figure out like, what is the actual show? Because if you're saying, let's commit to episodes, like, well, let's know what we're making. Totally. So I think, that, I think that's part of it. I think it's actually harder on the network side right now for for networks that are measured by ratings, who are still in that traditional model, yeah, of ad supported cable, yeah, and um, because just across the board, no one's really launching new shows successfully, right? Right. There's that's been crazy. A few, right? Yeah, and um, but that's still the standard and the metric. So I think that pressure to you know there was a time even a few years ago where you could put almost anything on the air and unscripted and people would check it out and it right. would work. And it was like this total frenzy ah, of like, days. <laughs> I know like fun and, and, and like, creativity. People and, would buy stuff off of paper they would, Yeah, they um, would. And we, we did all the time at yeah, discovery health. Right, like we right. bought paper oh, yeah. stuff all the time, totally. but the, it's just, um, I think it just requires us all to be more creative and dig a little deeper and figure out, what's the new way to go into this genre or what's the genre that we haven't done that we should look at with fresh eyes. But, um, look, it's harder, but I think,
0: but like you said, there's something in the challenge that's kind of exciting too.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think more than ever having sort of creative vision and I, and this is what I really appreciate about, uh, appreciate about working at A&E. They really, we, I shouldn't say they, we really love our producers. Yeah. So when we're buying a show from them, yeah, in our dream world, we're not being prescriptive. We're giving them insight into our audience and the and the things that we know our audience responds to. But we are letting them hold the vision of the show yeah. and make the show. And the worst is when you get into business with a producer who really you realize too late doesn't have a vision for the show, yeah. and they're they're looking for answers from the network at all times. But um, there are a lot of creative, good people out there, so I have faith. Oh, I love that. All right, quick, our quick uh, few stock questions.
0: Okay. What's your proudest professional accomplishment? Oh, these are the kind of questions that kill me. Okay, forget oh, it. We can <laughs> skip them. I, 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 have
1: to think about, I would have to think about that. Okay. Do you have any, any regrets? Do I have any regrets? You know, I, I can't say I have regrets because every choice you make leads you to what your life is, right? However, the one regret, just big picture, maybe would be I left LA too soon. You know, I was mm. in the, the scripted world, I was working at DreamWorks. It was super fun. And I was learning, learning, learning. And um, and I think I was there for three years total and then went to Vegas and went back to um, the East Coast. You can always come back, Amy. I know. That might be that in the cards. three-year itch is coming up. That might be in the cards. Um, but that would be the one thing, just because okay. I so loved California. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. I hear you. And what are the
0: three, do you have like three top unscripted shows that you love to watch still?
1: Well, it's funny because I have a almost thirteen year old. Yeah. And, you know, I consume a lot of shows for work reasons. Right. That you um, have to watch. Yeah. I'm I'm much more, if I'm confessing, of a scripted viewer. But I do try to watch as much unscripted as I can. Um, I have been watching Nailed It. On Netflix, so fun. My daughter loves it. It's perfect fun for that age and funny <laughs> it's and hilarious. Um, refreshing and hilarious. Because you know, as uh, a woman, I am. I have a lot of friends who are like Pinterest obsessed, and you know, the Pinterest fails thing is a thing. Yeah, like people, totally. Not just in food, but like yeah. in crafts and all. I don't of this. know it, but I know of it. Yeah, oh, it's a thing. And yeah. so that that show makes me laugh. Yeah. Um. I've been watching, this is not unscripted, but I've been started watching Pretty Little Liars with yeah, my daughter. I heard which it's awesome. I am yeah, loving it. It's like Desperate Freeform Housewives <laughs> in High School. I'm like, I am obsessed with this. Do you and watch then, the Fosters? Haven't watched The Fosters. Yeah, that's a good one. The next we're gonna do, because I never watched it when it was on, is Dawson's Creek. I've never seen a single episode. Me either, but all the middle schoolers, what they're into is friends.
0: Yeah, I, it's the hugest all, It's the highest rated uh, show on Netflix. They're all watching friends. It doesn't really hold up as well as like a Seinfeld. I mean, it's we'll still see,
1: adorable, but she, my kid isn't, hasn't watched it yet. But we so watched funny. season one of Survivor together. Yeah, she had so many questions about it. Like that she was first season crazy. was incredible. We love Project Runway. Um, again, a lot of the competition elimination shit They yeah. like they both both my kids like Chopped. Yeah, same. Um, my daughter did they watch Master Chef Junior? They have not watched that yet. Yeah. I used to be a big Idol fan. I used to be a big so you think you can a lot of competition. Shows yeah. Is yeah, what I watch well. That's for... when you end
0: up doing co-viewing The Voice. We what we watch that.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking uh I mean I'm a huge Game of Thrones if we are just talking scripted huge Game of Thrones I just started watching The Marvelous Miss Maisel isn't it You it know, know what my word for it is so good delightful It is delightful isn't It is the most delightful It's never something I would seek out on my own and my husband's like let's just give it a shot I hear really good things and loved it's it It's so amazing I love it so much I really loved Handmaid's Tale, the first season. I really love Thirteen Reasons Why. I really loved um, that dark stuff. What's the one with Reese Witherspoon? <gasps> Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Amazing. Like all of those. I just, but yeah. I read that book. I you know I I, read. I never read it. Yeah. Yeah. And now you know Sharp Objects is coming. I cannot wait. I know one of the producers. That'll be interesting. I think Reese optioned Little Fires Everywhere. Yes, which I have another, it on my
0: yeah. uh, nightstand. I haven't read it yet, but I'm gonna read it before the show comes out.
1: I'm actually a bigger reader than I am. Yeah, I and know I, you're a reader. One of the few.
0: Yeah. bringing it back well Amy this has been awesome this is fun thank, thank you so much